I typically like to stand when I preach, but today I'm going to sit because I think I broke my toe yesterday um, at an elder's house for lunch. I stubbed it on a coffee table or something, so um, Gene Audia, that was your fault for putting <laughs> that coffee table directly in the path where I was walking. So uh, for those of you who know me at all, you know I get excited about God's Word, get excited about what He's teaching me personally in His Word, and so um, I will try to stay seated for this whole time, but I get excited, so sometimes I stand and jump around and do all those, do all those things. So um, it's been interesting to me as we've studied the life of David, and especially we've come to this uh, concept of what it means to leave a legacy. It's, it's interesting for me because I'm in kind of a strange time of life. Many of you probably uh, know this time of life that I am in because in the next couple of weeks, my wife and I will head down to Florida for a C-section of um, the birth mom of the child that we're adopting. Uh, the C-section is scheduled for September 8. We may find out tomorrow or the next day they may move that C-section up. We don't have any children yet. This will be our first ch child, the one that we're adopting. Her name is Kaya. She um, is still in there cooking right now, but in the next couple weeks, uh, she'll, be, she'll be out and, and have a chance to come here and meet, and meet us. Um, so it's been interesting to me as I've, as I've thought about this concept of le leaving a legacy, I've had to face kind of this own truth in my life, and it's this. It's up here on the screen. It's, I will leave a legacy. I'll, I'll leave a legacy. I, I, got, I got kids on the way, hopefully multiple kids, and, and not just kids, but people I mentor, people I disciple, this, this job, this ministry God has called me to here at Bayview Glen, and however long he keeps me on this planet, just like Paul says, you know what, uh, it's better to go be with the Lord, but while I'm here, I've got work to do. And, and so I, I will leave a legacy, and I'm faced with that in a new way, especially as we look forward to this adoption. And, and let me just clue you in on something before we move any further, further this morning. You will leave a legacy. You will leave a legacy. You. No, nobody else has control over that. That's, that's on you. You will leave a legacy. You don't have any other options. You will leave either a positive or negative impact. You, you, you will make a positive or negative difference on the world. You will leave. Still one out of one people die. The, 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 the odds are real good. Maybe you've got another six hours left on this planet. Maybe you've got another 60 years, but you will leave. And when you do, you will leave something behind. Here, here's the great news about this. I have no idea how to leave a great legacy, but you know who does? God does. God does. That has, the Bible has so much to say, especially in and through King David, this life of David that we've been studying all summer about what it means to leave a great legacy. If you remember last week, we watched David transition from this confession, this disingenuous confession, which was, okay, God, you got me, into true repentance. And true repentance says, God, I surrender, change me. After his error with Bathsheba, after setting Bathsheba's husband up to be killed in order to conceal his own sin, David, instead of just being the, okay, God, I agree, I did something wrong, he came to God with this heart of, 
all right, now I surrender, change me. But the consequences of that sin still remained. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 10, Nathan the prophet says to David, because of your sin with Bathsheba and because of the murder that you committed and you had her husband killed by the hand of the Amalekite, or the Ammonites, um, the sword shall not depart from your house. So 2 Samuel chapter 13 to the end of the book in chapter 24, the sword does not depart from David's house. David deals with the consequences of his own sin almost daily, it seems. So the first half of David's 40-year reign as king, the first 20 years, you see this young, ambitious leader. He's blessed by God, and God is showing him favor, and he's just, you know, rocking and rolling as king in Israel. And then this moment of repentance, this moment of brokenness, this moment where he has to face his own sin. And the next 20 years, the second half of David's reign, we see a broken and contrite father who grieves over the bad decisions that his kids make. He's quick to forgive. He's humble. He's weathered. He's before the Lord knowing that He's dealing with the consequences of his own sin. And you can read all about that in 2 Samuel chapter 13 through the end in 2 Samuel 24. But the question I have for us today is, how does the Bible remember David? How does the Bible remember David? Because remember, all of David's successes from Goliath to Jonathan to Saul... From his leadership ability to his musical ability to his skill in warfare, sin and righteousness, how will the Bible remember him? And in Acts chapter 13, Paul, the Apostle Paul, preaches a message. This is what he says about David. This is how the Bible remembers David. It says this. It's up here on the screen. It says, And when he, that's God, had removed him, that's Saul, God raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, this is how the Bible remembers David, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all of my will. Now that's a great legacy. That's a great legacy. Can you imagine all the successes and failures of your own life, all the relationships, all the things that have added up to who you are today? If you went home to be with the Lord today and this is how we remembered you, that person was a woman after God's own heart. That individual was a man after God's own heart. Two quick bottom line truths before we get going this morning, before we talk about how to leave a great legacy. Here's bottom line truth number one, because David left a great legacy, but he didn't have a great track record. He, didn't, he left a great legacy, but he didn't have a perfect history. So bottom line truth number one, if you're jotting notes down, jot this down, you don't need a great track record to leave a great legacy. You don't need a great track record to leave a great legacy. You can still make a positive impact, a huge positive impact. You can make a huge difference on your children, on the world that you will leave behind, whether it's six hours or 60 years from now. You can have a great positive impact, and you don't need a great track record to do it. How do I know that? Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Paul, Peter, Matthew, Rahab, David, need I go on? All Bible characters who left an outstanding, spectacular legacy that we're still reading about today, and none of them had a great track record. 
None of them made great decisions all the time. So if your life hasn't necessarily been like a series of good decisions, like a snowball rolling downhill of unicorns and rainbows, and you've always been really godly and made great decisions, if you look back and go, man, I haven't always made great decisions, you can still leave a lasting legacy. You can still make a great impact. Put your name in that list too, that list of Bible characters. I can still leave a great legacy even though I don't have a great track record. This absolutely does not mean that we go sin our face off, right? And go, well, Luke said I can do whatever I want and still leave a great legacy. That is not what that means. We still have to deal with the consequences of our own sin, just like David did. But listen, if you look back on your life and go, wow, I've got some black marks on my track record, fear not. God can even use those. God can even use those. That's how powerful God is. That's how good God is. God can even use those Less than stellar moments in your track record to build a great legacy. Number two, it's never too blank to build your legacy. It's never too blank to build your legacy. And this is kind of a choose your own adventure sermon today. It's one of two words. It's never too early or it's never too late. It's never too early to build your legacy. Never. Never too early to start building your legacy, and it's never too late to build your legacy. You know, uh, especially students, like high school students and even junior high students, you know, we, we think, I remember thinking this when I was like 15 or 16, like, you know, I don't, need to, I don't need to build my legacy. I don't need to think about that day when I go be with the Lord. I don't think, need to think about that day when, you know, what, what am I going to leave behind when I go be with him? I'll worry about that when I get to college. And then I got to college and I didn't worry about it. And then I said, oh, I'll get married. When I get married, then I'll worry about it. And then I got married and I didn't worry about it all that much. And now I'm about to have kids, right? And, and, and I'm not, and I worry about it all that much. And then, you know, we start to think, well, okay, so when I do this and when I do that and when I do this and when I do that, it's too early for me now. But when I do this, then I'll build my legacy. But it's too early now to build my legacy. And then we think, okay, when my kids are out of, that's when they're out of the house. That's when I really start to build my legacy because that's when it really matters. When I start to build my legacy, when my kids are out of the house. And then your kids move out of the house. And what do you think? Well, it's too late now. (laughs) It's too late now to build my legacy. It is never too early to start, and it's never too late to build your legacy. Here's what David does at the end of his life. He's 70 years old. He's reigned in Israel for 40 years. He started his reign when he was 30. He committed this huge sin that had lasting impact when he was 50. The last half of his reign, 20 years, he's 70 years old, and he gathers all his leaders together, all his military leaders, all the folks in Israel that were really setting the tone. And one of those leaders was his son, Solomon, who was going to take the throne when he died. And David knows, this is my last words. These these are the last things I'm going to leave. This is going to be my legacy. And and he gathers gathers together all these leaders, and it's recorded in 1 Chronicles 28 and 29. And David starts talking about the legacy he wants to leave. So I'm thinking to myself, what could David talk about? It's his last words and the legacy he's going to leave. He could have talked about all the things he accomplished as king. Listen, Listen to what David did as king in Israel. When he came to the throne in Israel, Israel's borders were, it it, it was 6,000 square miles. That's how big Israel was. You know, 40 years later when he left, Israel was 60,000 square miles. 
He united the nation under one flag. He established the capital in Jerusalem. He established trade routes so Israel became much more prosperous. How many of you run into Philistines these days? Anybody know any Philistines? Good. Thanks to David, he eradicated the Philistines, Israel's number one enemy from the face of the planet. He was very, very successful as king in Israel. But when he starts talking about his legacy, what he's going to leave behind, he doesn't talk about any of those things. He talks about character. He talks about character. He talks about how God built character into him and how he wants to pass it on to his son Solomon and to the leaders in Israel that he's gathered. Picture this with me. A weathered 70-year-old man who knows his time has come. He gathers his son. He gathers all the leaders in this nation that he's built, hundreds, maybe thousands. In 1 Chronicles 28, chapter 2, This is what he says to them. He says, Then King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brothers and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God. And I made preparations for the building, but God said to me, You may not. Build a house for my name, for you are a man of war and have shed blood. Yet the Lord God of Israel chose me from all my father's house to be king over Israel forever. For he chose Judah as leader and in the house of Judah, my father's house. And among my father's sons, he took pleasure in me to make me king over all Israel. Fill in this blank for me. At the end of my life, I want people to say blank. Fill in that blank in your head. You don't have to shout it out. Just fill in that blank in your head. At the end of my life, I want people to say I what? Was a great engineer, was a great dad, built a great company. I was kind, I was generous, I was godly, I was sincere. What is it that you want people to say of you? If you ask David that question, you know what he would say? I had it in my heart to build a house of God. At the end of my life, here's what I want people to say of me. David built the temple where the Ark of the Covenant could rest. But you see that, what happened in verse three? What did God say? But God said, no, ouch. David would have traded all the prosperity He would have traded all, you know, everything that God had given him and military victories and and all the things that God allowed him to do. He would have traded it all just to build the temple. That was his dream. That was his hope. That was his desire. And God said, no, I want your son Solomon to do that. So here's David's temptation now. I can whine, I can cry, I can moan. I can complain. I can say, oh, God didn't do this for me. God didn't do that for me. I had a dream in my heart and it was something to serve God and it was something to glorify God and it was something to give him attention and God didn't let me do it. What does David say? Verse four, yet the Lord God of Israel chose me. If you're taking notes in your Bible, verse four there, 1 Chronicles 28, four, circle that word yet. It's the first first word of verse four, yet. Here's what David is saying. God did not let me do this, yet he did let me do this. In other words, rather than complaining 
about the things David wanted to do that God never opened the door for him to do. He rejoiced, he celebrated, he declared the great things God did allow him to do. In other words, David was content with where God had him. You want to build a great legacy? You want to pass on a great legacy to your kids, to others in your life, even in your business? Building block number one for building a great legacy is contentment. It is absolutely contentment. Young people, when it, when it comes to our dreams and hopes, you know, here's what we typically say to God. We, we have a tendency to fight God, don't we? God opens a door. God, God wants us to do something. He calls us into something. And, and, we, and we tend to dig our heels in a little bit. And we say, no, God, I'd rather do this or I'd rather do that. Or we just kind of forget about him. We kind of neglect him. Or those of you in this room that are maybe not as young, <laughs> Maybe you look back on your life and you go, why didn't God ever allow me to get married, have kids, build a business, be that preacher I wanted to be, be that missionary I wanted to be, grow the church that I wanted to grow, build a small group, disciple people, reach people for him, whatever. I always wanted to do that, but he never let me do that. You have a choice now. Are you going to say, oh man, I wish God would have done this. I wish God would have done that. Are you going to say, yet God did choose me to do this, to do that, to do this? Because he did. He did choose you to do some things. He did choose you to make a difference. He did choose you to make an impact. But sometimes we get discontent. Sometimes we don't like what he chose us to do or chose for us in advance, but he did. Building block number one for David's legacy, this is absolutely where he starts when he addresses these leaders in Israel. When he addresses his son Solomon, he says, I wanted to do this, but God said this, so I was content. Contentment. Building block number one for a great legacy. Can you say that of yourself today? Can you say, I've surrendered my legacy to God? I will be content with whatever doors he opens, whatever doors he closes, whatever way he wants to use me, I'll be content. And are you passing that on to other people? Then David, it's interesting, David kind of pulls his son aside. He's not addressing everybody anymore. He just pulls Solomon aside and he starts to talk to Solomon about some real specific stuff. Look at 1 Chronicles 28 verse 11. David starts talking to Solomon specifically. Verse 11 says this. It says, Then David gave Solomon his son the plan of the vestibule of the temple, then David gave his son, Solomon, the plan of the vestibule of the temple. What's David doing? He's saying, I'm content with God's yes. I'm also content with God's no. Now I can empower you to fulfill the very purpose for which you were made. I can empower you to pursue God. I can empower you to go after him. So much so that he literally hands Solomon written plans for the temple. And he's got all these details put together. And he says, now, Solomon, this is your call. This is what God wants for you. I'm content in myself. So now I am empowering you to go do what God has called you to do. Building a great legacy, building block number two is empowerment. It's empowerment. It's empowering your kids. It's empowering your coworkers. It's empowering those who report to you in your business. 
It's empowering young surgeons that you work with and young engineers that you work with and young architects that you work with. It's empowering young moms that you know. You can do it. Go after it. It's encouraging them. It's cheering them on. And listen close. If you're not content with where God has you, you can't empower anybody else. Contentment is a prerequisite for empowerment. How do I know that? Go to a peewee hockey game and listen to the dads that aren't content with the fact they never played in the NHL. Are they empowering kids? No, ma'am. No, sir. They're micromanaging kids and they're yelling at kids. You know, all the time their kids out on the ice going, I don't think this is what God's called me to. It's cold. You know, can we play hockey on something other than ice? I mean, it's, this is cold. You know, this hockey thing is okay. I, you know, I kind of want to do drama. I want to sing. I want to dance. I want to be an artist. I want to play baseball. I want to play football. And their dad the whole time is going, I wanted to play in the NHL, so you better do it. Watch it in the States with football, baseball, sports, and, and all these different, even like modeling for little girls and all these stuff that parents like, because they're never content with what God said to them. They were never content with God's yes for them. They were never content with God's no for them. So they have a very, very difficult time. It's almost impossible for them to empower their kids. See, David was content when God said no. So therefore, he could empower Solomon. It's not about micromanaging. It's not about telling Solomon exactly what to do in every little area. It's saying, here, here are the plans. You get after it. You go pursue what God called you to do. I was thinking about this this week. I was thinking about an example in my own personal life recently where somebody, because they were content with what God had called them to, they were able to empower me in building their legacy and starting with those building blocks of contentment and empowerment. You know who I thought of is Pastor Reimer. Pastor Arnie Reimer, if you guys don't know Arnie Reimer, he was our senior pastor for 25 years. He, he really is a lot of the reason that this church is where it is today, that we have this facility that we're meeting here. He moved us from Avenue Road Church downtown up to Bayview Glen. He was our senior pastor for 25 years. And when they asked Pastor Arnold Reimer to come back in September for my commissioning service, to pray for me, to empower me, to release me, to share a little bit with this congregation and to say, Luke, Go for it. You go pursue what God has called you to do at Bayview Glen. I'm content with what God had for me in that season. Now you get after it. You know what Pastor Reimer said? No, I don't want to go do that. Of course he didn't. He said, I'd be happy to. I'm content. Now I can empower, pass on, leave a legacy. Building block number three. Building block number three for leaving a great legacy. Look at the first half of 1 Chronicles 28, verse 9. We'll just take the first half to start. David says to Solomon, he says, And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. I love the original language here. Know the God of your father. Serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. Let me just talk about the original Hebrew language here. That word no, it's not a no like I know facts. It's a no like a relational no. Like I know my best friends. Like I know my wife. It's relational. It's intimate. He's saying know God in that way. Serve him means work, toil. Put your nose to the grindstone. 
When he says whole heart, it doesn't mean just all of your heart. It means complete and blameless, undivided. Give it all to him. That word heart in the original language is leb. It means your inner self, your will, everything of who you are. That word willing mind, it means delighted. It means a happy disposition. And mind, willing mind, the other word for mind there is neck or breath. It's, it's the very breath of who you are. Make that a happy disposition. Here's, here's, here's Luke's uh, New Living Translation, New NLT New Luke Translation of that verse, right? Here's what it says. David says, Solomon, get to know God, not just facts about him, but him. Spend time with him. Understand how he thinks. Learn to love what he loves and hate what he hates. Develop a close friendship with him. And then as a result, work for him with a blameless internal life and a happy disposition. Listen to that one more time. Those of us who are serving the Lord faithfully, this is how he calls us to do that. This is what he calls us to pass on to others. A blameless internal life and a happy disposition. Don't get jaded. Don't become bitter. Don't kick against the goads. Don't dig your heels in, Solomon. Go after God at a thousand miles per hour. Don't look back. That's what he's telling him. And parents, I want to just talk to you for a minute. And I know, I know I'm, not a, I'm not a dad yet, so like in two months you can tell me I told you so. I get it, all right? I'm fine. But, but before I get there, before you can tell me I told you so, you know, a lot of us as parents, we're really, really good at telling our kids what God says to do and what he says not to do. We're really good at telling our kids, these are God's rules. Do these things because God says to do them and don't do these things because God says not to do them. And, and if you do the things God says not to do or if you fail, the do things, fail to do the things God says to do, then God will send you to timeout. You know? That's why you're in timeout. It's because Jesus sent you there. It's not me. It's because you broke his rules and you, we are sent to timeout. So here's my question for you as parents. I love God's rules. I love God's commandments. I love God's covenant. You know why? Because it leads us into God's grace. It points us to God's grace. So when you talk to your kids, please continue to talk about God's rules. Please continue to talk about God's statutes. But are you talking about his love? Are you talking about his faithfulness? Are you saying to your kids, look, just get to know him. He's gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He's a faithful friend at all times. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And the kid's drawing on the, on the wall at the same time, and you pull him aside. He's like, stop drawing on the wall. But listen, God's a forgiving God, and he's forgiven me so much. I, I, can, I can pass on that love for him to you. Building block number three for building a great legacy is devotion. It's devotion. Are you devoted to God? Do you love him? Is your heart working for him with a happy disposition? Have you gotten to know him as a friend? Or are you just following his rules? Are you devoted to him? And then are you passing that on to your kids? Are you passing that on to your small group? Are you leaving a legacy where, where when you go be with the Lord, which will happen at some point, you will face God someday? Will we look back and say that person was devoted to God and their legacy is one of devotion 
to him. Building block number four. Building block number four of leaving a great legacy. Look at the second half of verse nine. David says this to Solomon. He says, For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. If you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. For those of you who didn't join us last week and don't know about kind of David's big flub about 20 years before this, David uh, committed adultery with a woman who was married and he got her pregnant in order to conceal his sin. He set up her husband, Uriah, to be killed. Can you picture David talking to his son Solomon? Can you picture him saying these words? Solomon, the Lord searches every heart. He knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, he's there. If you forsake him, he won't be found by you. Can you picture his knowing eyes? I wonder if he even saw in Solomon something of a wayward heart, which we will see in Solomon later on in the scripture. Here's what I love about David's legacy here. It's, it's a legacy of honesty. It's a legacy of honesty. Not only that, but, but David's journey, all his successes and all his failures, all his righteousness, all his sin, it's all recorded in the scripture for us to read. It's a legacy of honesty. You know, Steve Saint, uh, a missionary, his dad was a missionary, Nate Saint, that was martyred in Ecuador. He said this, he said, your story is the greatest legacy you will leave to your friends. It's the longest lasting legacy that you will leave to your heirs. One of my favorite writers, William Shakespeare, said this, no legacy is as rich as honesty. Building block number four is honesty. Being honest with your kids, honest about your struggles, honest about your failures. Look, understand me. I don't mean you pull your six-year-old aside and tell him all your sordid stories about being in a fraternity in college, okay? That's not what I mean. I don't mean you pull your 12-year-old aside and, and walk them through, you know what, this is how I ended up in a Polish prison or whatever it is that your like, you know, really big error was in your life or multiple big errors or whatever. I'm talking about age-appropriate honesty, but, but we have a tendency to conceal things from others, from our kids, from, 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 uh, from people that we lead, especially from people in a management environment, in a work environment. We don't want to tell them about that time that we had to file bankruptcy. We don't have to want to tell them about that time we lost a business. But look, this is what David does. He wraps his arm around his son. He goes, the Lord searches every thought. You know how I know that? I know from experience. He's honest. Building block number four for building a great legacy is honesty. Number five is courage. Courage. Look at 1 Chronicles 28, verse 20. It says, Then David said to Solomon, his son, Be strong and courageous and do it. Build the temple is what he means. I love that language. Be strong and courageous and do it. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. You know, we live in a little bit of a culture of fear. You know, we're afraid of African killer bees and we're afraid of, you know, uh, 
uh, somebody kidnapping our kids and we're afraid of all these things. And, and we instill that into our kids, you know, um, you know, be careful. Like one of the kids at your school might have the bird flu. So don't touch anybody, you know, make sure you always have a hand sanitizer on. In fact, you know, we're, we're going to make decisions out of fear. We're, we're afraid of brokenness and we're afraid of, of sickness and we're afraid of all these things. And, 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 and look, look, when I say instill courage, pass on courage, leave a legacy of courage, just like David said twice in 1 Chronicles 28, he says, be strong and courageous. He passes on courage to his son Solomon. This is not what I'm saying. Hey, little Johnny, uh, nine-year-old kid of mine, uh, you see that van with no windows? Hop in there. That looks safe. That's not what I'm saying, right? What I'm saying is this, that the Lord is with you always. So we can pass on to our kids. We can pass on to those we mentor. We can pass on, look, God has big plans for you. Get after it. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed and do it. Get after it. He's with you. Are you building that into your kids? Are you building that into those you lead? Are you building that into your own legacy? You know what? I just, I don't operate out of fear. You know why? Because the God of angel armies is always on my side. I don't have to be dismayed. I don't have to be afraid. I can be strong and courageous. And when I pass, I can pass courage onto my kids. I can pass courage onto those that I'm leaving my legacy to. Building block number five. Finally, building block number six of building a great legacy is generosity. Generosity. Look at 1 Chronicles uh, 29, verse 3. Look what David says. He says, Moreover, in addition to all that I have provided for the holy house, I have a treasure of my own of gold and silver. And because of my devotion to the house of my God, I give it to the house of my God. Here's what David's done. He's already pulled his son Solomon aside. He goes, look, here are all the plans of God's temple, and I'm empowering you to get after that. Not only that, we have all this stuff stored up as a nation of Israel, all these resources, gold, silver, bronze, iron, waiting for you, all of these resources. And in verse three, he says, moreover, in addition, I have a storehouse of my own gold and silver that I am giving to you. I'm giving towards kingdom purposes. I'm giving towards what God has in building his kingdom on this planet. And it actually tells us, the Bible actually tells us how much gold and silver David gives. Listen close. Of his own personal storehouse, his own personal treasure. This is not Israel's treasure. It's his own personal. 112 tons of gold and 260 tons of silver. That's what he gives. He gives billions and billions of dollars worth of resources. And then check this out. He's at the, at the end of, uh, at the middle of uh, 1 Chronicles 29, like right around verse eight or nine. Then David stands up and he looks at all the leaders, the hundreds and the thousands that he's gathered after he says, Israel has a storehouse. Here you go, Solomon, build the temple. I have a storehouse. Here you go, Solomon, build the temple. He turns and looks at them and he goes, now what about you? What do you have to give? He says, my son Solomon is young and inexperienced. He needs your help. Literally, he says young and inexperienced. This is great. You give generously to the work that God has called him to. 
you give generously to the kingdom that God is building on this planet. Building block number six, you want to build a great legacy? Generosity. It's absolutely building block number six for building a great legacy into your kids, into your coworkers, and those you mentor, whatever. Learn to give generously. I know that for some of you who, who, who uh, are around church a little bit, or even some of you who uh, may be new to a church experience, you may be thinking to yourself, gosh, pastors always talk about money. I've been here almost a year and haven't talked about money once. That's number one. Number two, we just came to it in the text, so I'm not going to ignore it. <laughs> I was reading 2 Timothy 4 this morning, preach the word in season and out of season. So I'm fine talking about it because that's what the word of God talks about. Couple things. Uh, as a member of a local church, as a member of God's body, He calls you to give generously. He calls you to be a cheerful giver to the community of faith that you belong to. Many of you belong to this community faith here at Bayview Glen. Many of you are new. Some of you belong to community of different communities of faith across the GTA or even across uh, Canada and in North America. Wherever that community of faith is, wherever you put your roots down, wherever you become a church member or whatever, what the Bible says is one of your obligations, one of the expectations, one of the, one of the kind of bottom line things that God asks of you in that environment is to be a generous giver, a cheerful giver. You know, in 1 Chronicles 29, three times, this, is, this blows me away about the word of God, right? Three times, David says, we gave willingly. He uses that word willingly three times. Twice, he uses the word freely. Does that sound like an obligation to you? No. We just give generously. We give freely. And then as he passes his legacy around, he, he looks at it. He goes, now, what about you? You give generously to the work that God has called you to. Look at, I just, I want to pick it up. It's not even in the slides, I don't think. I just want to pick it up in verse 9. I just think it's great. Verse 9 says, then the people rejoiced. Because they had given willingly, for with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. David also rejoiced greatly. Why? Because you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You don't get to take it with you. So, you know, enjoy your cottage, enjoy your boat, enjoy your house, enjoy dinners out, and, and invite me with you, please, because that's, I, I, like, I have no problem with that. That's totally fine, to enjoy the wonderful gifts that God has given us. I have, I have absolutely no problem with that. Absolutely no problem with that. But, but the legacy that I want to leave is one of generosity. It's one of sacrificial giving to the wonderful things that God had planned. And that God has planned now. I want to follow David's lead and give generously. A couple practical applications and then we're going to close and be done. One, what if, just what if, you pulled out $100 from every paycheck and you bought 10 $10 gift cards to Longos and you kept them in your car. And every time you pass by somebody on the street that was holding a sign that says, I'm hungry, I'm homeless, I need help. And your kids are in the back seat throwing a fit, you know, and out of the seat belts and kids and, you know, crying in a car seat or whatever. You say, okay, everybody settle down. Here, here's, what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this $10 Longo's gift card and I'm going to give it to this individual. And this $10 that I'm giving to this individual uh, might mean that we don't get to go out to eat. That might be the sacrifice we're making. We might not get to go out to eat. But for that individual, it might mean that they get to eat at all. We're going to learn to give generously. 
What if you shared with your kids? You don't have to share amounts. You don't have to share all that stuff, but you share with your kids and you make giving, you make the offering time, tithes or whatever we call them on Sunday morning, you make that an act of worship with your kids. You make that an act of worship with new believers that you're, you know, that you're bringing along with you and discipling. You say, we celebrate what God is doing and we're a part of what he's doing here at Bayview Glen and we're giving to our local community of faith and we're doing it sacrificially and generously. Maybe you don't have 112 tons of gold. If you do, come see me because I'd like to borrow something. But, but you've got something. You've got a home you could open up and give generously. You've got time that you could give generously to Bayview Kids Summer Experience or to discipling a young person in the faith. You've got encouragement that you could give generously and, and you have money too that you can give generously. And here's what happens when we give money, when we give generously, and we leave that kind of legacy to our kids. All of a sudden, those white knuckles that we were holding on to money and gripping it real tight like this, and I'm not giving God my money. And we start to open our hands up like that, and we say, okay, God, I'll release money. All of a sudden, open hands can receive God's blessing. Amen? We follow David's lead and leave a great legacy of generosity. Guys in the back, will y'all put that last slide up there of those six things? Those six building blocks of a great legacy. Here's my invitation this morning. Pick one. Pick one. Some of you looking up, because I'm looking up there and going, wow, I could pick all of them uh, to work on. You'd be in the same boat that I'm in this morning. But I'm inviting you to pick one. Maybe I need to be more honest with my kids about my struggles. Age-appropriate honesty, I get it, but honest. Maybe I need to develop a greater devotion to God and pass that on to somebody else, not just about obeying his rules, but about loving him completely. Maybe I need to be more generous. Maybe I need to be empowering the leaders that God has brought along in my life. Maybe I need to demonstrate contentment more and more. And if you think to yourself like I did several years ago, gosh, I don't, I don't have kids like I'm not managing anybody. Like, no one reported to me at work at that point. Like, who, who am I supposed to pass a legacy on to? Who am I giving my legacy to? So, um, yeah, this was, this was several years ago. I'll just tell you this quick story, and like I said, we'll be done. But um, Amy and I went out to San Diego to visit some friends. They're about 20, 15, 20 years older than we are. Uh, they have a home in San Diego that's up on a hill. And out the back door, you can see Mission Bay, which is beautiful, and sailboats and the whole thing. And out the front door, you can see the Pacific Ocean. It is lovely. It's lovely. If you have a chance, if you have the means, pick one up. I highly recommend it, right? So these folks are so generous with us, with their time, with their money, with their encouragement, and they welcome us into their home. They've left a legacy uh, behind and passed it on to me of contentment. They've been honest with me and with Amy about their own struggles and have left their legacy for us. There's so many things about those six building blocks that those folks have poured into us. And for that week that we were with them in San Diego, Several years ago, they're just pouring all that stuff into us. And we're just, you could just sense their legacy going, I know that I'm going to leave something behind and I'm going to make a positive impact. I will leave a legacy and it's going to be a good one. And they're pouring into Amy and me. And so one day, Amy and I are down on the beach and and we're walking along the beach and we're thinking, okay, God, what's next? And we're praying to him, God, how, how could we leave a legacy? There's no one, we don't have kids and who are we supposed to pour into? And we said, God, would you bring somebody along? 
Would you bring somebody along that we can pour into, that we can love, that we can leave a legacy to? About six weeks ago, that, that couple that I talked about that poured so much into us, about six weeks ago, they were here at Bayview Glen worshiping with us, had a great Sunday. Actually, it wasn't, it was, sorry, it wasn't six weeks ago. It was the winter time. They came up from Phoenix in the wintertime. Okay? They love us, all right? And they want to pass a legacy on. Amen? All right. So uh, the couple that God answered our prayers with, they'll be up here in November. God brought them along. I had an opportunity to baptize both, uh, both of them when they were dating. Amy had an opportunity to photograph their engagement. She mentors the young lady. I officiated their wedding. We've traveled with them. We love them, and we pour our legacy into them. For some of you, you know it's my kids. That's my legacy. It's my kids. I'm pouring into my kids. But there are others. There are others. It's people you work with and neighbors and community that you can leave a legacy, that you can pass something on and pick one of those building blocks and do it. And if you don't have anybody that you feel like, gosh, that's, that's really what God is calling me to, do what I did. Just ask him. God, bring somebody along. Bring somebody along that I can pour into because I want to leave a lasting, godly, Christ-centered, kingdom legacy. My favorite part of David's legacy is Acts chapter 13, verse 23. It says this. Off this man's, that's David's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus as he promised. And we'll conclude our series, A King and a Kingdom, next week with a sermon called Christ the King. We'll talk about the throne of David. It's established forever, and Jesus sits on it and rules and reigns even now. Let's pray together as we conclude. The band's going to come back up and lead us in one final song just of response and celebration. And as they do that, I would just invite you this morning to just take a moment with the Lord and the quietness of your own heart and ask him, oh God, will you bring somebody in my life where I can leave a legacy? Or, or who is that person for me? Is it, is it my kids? Is it someone I work with? God, maybe bring more than one person in my life where I can pass on contentment, empowerment, devotion, generosity, courage and honesty. God, I would just say from the bottom of my heart, the cry of my heart is that um, Amy and I begin over the next several weeks with Kaya, talking to her about your goodness and your faithfulness, talking to her about your mercy, your grace, your kindness, being honest with her about our own struggles, teaching her to love and give generously, empowering her, God, to fulfill the very calling that you have for her. God, on just on a personal note for me, I just ask that you would continue to move me in that direction, that I would leave a great legacy that honors you in Kaya and in so many others that I have an opportunity to interact with. God, may my legacy be one that honors you. Pray that as well, Lord Jesus, on behalf of this congregation, on behalf of this community of faith called Bayview Glen Church. We want to be a church that leaves a great legacy, that leaves a mark for your kingdom 
in the greater Toronto area and indeed to the very ends of the earth. Give us wisdom, God, and lead us toward leaving a great legacy. In Christ's name, amen.